Hi, this is John from Prodigal Church. We want to thank you for listening to this week's teaching. The best way to watch and listen is through our Prodigal mobile app, available at your app store. We hope you are moved to love God and others in a greater way. Now, let's dive right into this week's teaching. I grew up in Leroy, Illinois, population 3,600. And every single Sunday morning, my mom and dad would take my brother, sister, and I to morning mass either at St. Patrick's Cathedral in Bloomington or at St. Mary's in Downs. And I have grown to greatly appreciate my Catholic upbringing. Um, But every Sunday morning, sitting in those uncomfortable wooden pews, we would always pray this prayer. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Many of you uh, Catholics out there, uh, just finish that for me, right? You prayed a lot alongside of me uh, in that moment. Now, the only thing I really knew about Mary was that she was the Mother of God and that she was awesome. And some within the extremely large and diverse global body of Christ overestimate the importance of Mary lifting her to almost equal with God. But I think that others underestimate uh, the importance of Jesus' mother as a model for how God works in the life of ordinary people like you and I. Mary was the one person on earth closer to Jesus than anyone else. She knew Jesus in a way that nobody ever has or nobody ever will. Not just as Savior, but as Son. Not just as Almighty God, but as helpless baby in her arms. Now, I love my son Dex more than life itself. And as hard as it is uh, to admit this, I I think he may love his mom more. His mom just has this unique and beautiful relationship that I just can't duplicate as his dad. Uh, She knows him more than I do. She'll often say, "Uh, there's something off with him today. And then I respond like every dad does, he's fine. And the next day he may come down with a cold. She knows him. Uh, Mary had this unique relationship with the Son of God. And it's important for us to stop and recognize that aside from Jesus himself, no other human being played such a crucial role in the salvation of the human race than Mary. The redemption of humanity and God's plans to step into the world hinged upon what Mary would say to the messenger angel Gabriel. And there was also this this biological connection, right? Mary's own body knit together the Messiah. It was her blood that carried nutrients to that child. It was her tender words spoken and sung that quieted his temper and comforted him. I bet she had this song that she would sing to the baby Jesus all the time. And parents, if if you're watching this together, uh, think back to those days when your children were babies. You remember that song to this day. Take a moment, you can even sing it to each other, just a couple lines of it, and it could bring back all the memories of that season in your life. But we, as parents, we all remember the songs we sang to our children. And I believe that these songs, as silly and goofy as they may be, really are from the Holy Spirit. Sarah and I still remember every song, whether it was a lullaby or a song that we made up about our kids, uh, we remember every line. Uh, When Mary's son 
was crucified as a 33-year-old man, Mary still remembered the songs she would sing to him every single night. For nine months, divinity resided within her womb. No one before or since had such intimate union with God. An ancient Christian hymn captures Mary's role in our salvation when it says this, He whom the entire universe could not contain was contained within your womb. Isn't that beautiful? For this reason, the early church called her Theotokos, the one who gives birth to God, as a way of capturing both the identity of her son and also the importance of her role in the salvation story. When Mary finally gave birth to Jesus and suckled him, the Son of God was fed and sustained by milk from her breasts. She tenderly held him. She changed his diapers. She bathed him. She sang to him. She taught him and instilled in him faith in his heavenly father. She feared for him. She cried for him. And more than anything, she loved him. And 33 years after his birth, she stood by and wept as her son died on a Roman cross. You see, 33-year-old Jesus was still her baby. I'm 40. I'm still my mom's baby. What do we know about this Mary? Well, she was young, probably a teenager, somewhere between the ages of 12 and 16. And when she gave birth to the Lord, she showed a wisdom and maturity and love that many of us older folks never attain. She was poor. She was from Nazareth, a young girl from the wrong side of the tracks, right? Nazareth was a town with a bad reputation. You remember what Nathaniel said when he learned that Jesus was from Nazareth? In John 1, he says this, and Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? So Mary was young, poor, came from the bad side of town, and this is who God calls to bear his son. Isn't that so like God? He's the God of the unexpected. He he uses uh, everything small to overcome the large. He, He uses the meek to overcome the strong. He's the God who chooses to use the ordinary over the extraordinary. Even Mary's name was ordinary. It was the Hebrew name Miriam, which was Moses' sister. Do you know how many Jewish mothers and fathers named their daughters Miriam? It was the most common name. If you were to Google famous or most common first century names for daughters, uh, Mary would be number one. Some of you who are watching now um, are, are pregnant. And, and so you, you're, you're looking at names and you're looking at lists of names. And, and uh, Mary would be at the top of the list for most first century families in Judea. It was extremely common. But once again, God uses the normal, the ordinary, to do something so much more, greater, extraordinary in our world. So let's read the Gospel of Luke. And let's see what he says about this extraordinary woman named Mary. Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, 
You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. We read about Elizabeth last week, and so if you're unfamiliar about the story of Elizabeth, go back one week and you can listen in there. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. It had been 400 years between this moment and the last prophet of the Old Testament. And the Greek Empire had fallen, and the Roman Empire had taken its place, and then finally God shows up. It had been empire after empire in wondering, Israel's wondering, what God, how can you help us? You're not answering our prayers. There was the Assyrians who gave way to the Babylonians, who gave way to the Persians, who gave way to the Greeks, who gave way to the Romans. When was God's kingdom going to bring in? Events like this just don't happen. Your mind would have been completely blown that God shows up in this manner. I read a story of a police officer pulled over a guy for speeding. And they had the following exchange. The officer says, uh, may I see your driver's license? And the driver says, well, I don't have one. I had it suspended when I got into my 16th fender bender. And the officer said, well, may I see the owner's car for this vehicle? And he says, this is not my car. I stole it. The officer said, the car stolen? That's right. Come to think of it, I saw the owner's car in the glove box when I was putting my grenade in there. There's a grenade in the glove box? Yes, sir, that's where I put it after I blew up my garage and severely wounded my neighbor's cow who I stuffed in the back trunk. There's a, there's a wounded cow in your trunk? Yes, sir. Now, after hearing this, the officer immediately called for backup and his captain shows up and he, the captain, after the car's all surrounded, walks up to the man and he tries to handle this tense situation. And so the captain says, sir, can I see your driver's license? And the driver pulls it out and says, sure, and shows it to the captain and it's valid. And he says, whose car is this? And he says, well, it's mine, officer. Here's the registration. And he pulls out the registration. He said, could you, could you slowly open up your glove box to see if there's a weapon in it? Yes, sir, but there's no weapon in there. And he opens it up and there's certainly no weapon. And he said, would you mind popping the trunk? I heard that there is a wounded farm animal in your trunk. No problem. He pops the trunk and there's nothing back there. And the officer, the, the, the captain here, says, I don't understand it. The officer who stopped you uh, told me that you didn't have a license, you stole the car, there was a grenade in your glove compartment, and there's a wounded cow in the back of your car. And the driver says, yeah, I bet he told you I was speeding as well. And the officer said, have a nice day, sir, and lets him go. If you were the first officer there, what would you do? Your mind would be, you, you wouldn't even have words to describe how you would feel. You would be blown away. You would be lost for words. This is how Mary 
this teenage girl living on the wrong side of tracks, this broke girl is feeling as the angel of the Lord appears before her. What would you do? Mary must have felt the exact same way as that officer, right? Here's Mary, perhaps thinking of marriage. She's preparing for her big day, already pledged to be married to a man named Joe, dreaming of driving the family SUV with the kids arguing about who gets to sit in the front of the camel. And then the angel Gabriel appeared and completely rocks her world. And Mary said yes. You see, Mary let God completely disrupt her life. She had plans. She knew what path she was going to take. And then God disrupts her life for something so much greater. But she didn't know it was going to be greater. It's often like this with us, isn't it? When we were younger, we had our plans. But then our plans got disrupted. We got pregnant. We lost our job. We moved to another city. This has been so true in my life. I was supposed to be the Super Bowl winning running back for the Kansas City Chiefs, but that wasn't God's dream for me. What was your plan? What did you think you were going to do and be? And what I didn't realize back then was that living out God's call on my life was so much better than my own dreams. See, God gives you new dreams, dreams that you never dreamed of. And you're never settling when you follow Jesus. Like, I really feel that that, that, that might be for someone watching this right now, right? You think that you feel, you feel like you've, you've settled in a life of regret. And I'm telling you that God is in this situation, in this house, with this job, in this relationship, in this city for such time as this. And may the Holy Spirit open up your eyes to see the new dreams that might be arising in your own heart. Right now, could God be disrupting your life the way in which he disrupted Mary's life? What's your response? She said yes. And we have often missed this great truth, this, this dimension of Christmas, that the presence of God is by nature disruptive. I didn't hear that back in the day at Sunday school, at St. Mary's, Catholic Church in Downs, Illinois, that, that the presence of God is by nature disruptive. Oh, it's so true. God has disrupted my life over and over again. And, and as Mary portrays so clearly, God invades her sense of privacy, her plans, I can't help but wonder how Mary felt like kind of in the flesh, like her natural instincts, right? Because the, the Bible says here that Gabriel, the angel, calls her highly favored two times. And she's like, this is how you treat highly favored people? You just completely disrupt my life and all the plans I had for my life? Like, couldn't you kind of get everybody on board first? Can't you reveal the plans to Joseph before I have to have this awkward conversation? Couldn't you kind of remove the rough edges and like all the spots of resistance? Couldn't you wait for epidural to be invented before I give birth to the Son of God? You know Jesus was a big old baby. He was north of 10 pounds. 
what makes Mary's response so striking is that we don't see any of that. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And with these words, Mary forever joins the drama of God in Christmas. Mary let God disrupt her life. Mary surrenders her life and her plans to his presence. Mary places her life in God and God places his life in her. And there lies the secret to a truly Merry Christmas. It's about placing our life in God so that he can place his life in us. The Christmas season is about God and his invasion of space and time to rescue and redeem planet Earth, to rescue and redeem humanity. It's not about putting Christ back into Christmas. It's about putting Christ back into Christians. It's about placing our life in God so that he can place his life in us. This is what happened. There's something about Mary, which would be a great title of a movie from the early 2000s. We often don't operate on faith because we fear the risk. And if you are anxious this morning or this afternoon or this evening of how it's all going to work out in your life, if you wonder, if I'm, if I'm going out on a limb here for the Lord, is the branch going to break? then let's learn from the faith of Mary that when God is in it, it all works out. Some of you need to hear that. You need to hear that that's God's message for you this Christmas. If God's in it, it all works out. Man, I believe that. And I've seen it so true in my life again and again. If you are truly going to have a Merry Christmas this year, it starts with the unswerving commitment to God and his purposes in your life. Uh, we normally at Prodigal do some kind of Christmas production um, for kids and, and have the kids on the stage. And it's one of our favorite things that we do every year. Uh, it's so cute to see the kids portray the Christmas story in a fun, lighthearted, um, engaging way. Oh, it's the best. And um, every year when we're doing this, we'll say, well, who wants to be Mary? Every, everybody's hand goes up. Boys, girls, doesn't matter. Everybody wants to be Mary. She's the star of the story. Uh, but the question I think for us is, do you think Mary wanted to be Mary? Because she didn't know how it was going to work, Right? Like, knowing the scandal and the potential punishment for conception outside of wedlock, knowing that her hopes and dreams for a traditional wedding would come to an end, now they got to have a shotgun ceremony because Mary's pregnant. Do you think Mary wanted to be Mary? Yet, with heart pounding, with uncertainty, with fear, with confusion, Mary's response was, here I am, Lord. As we consider that moment of decision for Mary, we see in her a witness as an example of how we are supposed to live. And sometimes we need to see this as a reminder that God's call is different and difficult. It may lead us to set aside our own plans. It may mean giving up the hopes and dreams that we have been cherishing for a lifetime. It may mean risks. It may be frightening. It must have been hard for Mary to imagine that this is what it means to be favored by God, to have all your plans change 
Sometimes God asks us to be with people we don't want to be with, to go to places we don't want to go to, and do the things that we don't want to do. And this part of this is part of what God is trying to teach us through Mary's story. Mary is twice to be said to be highly favored, yet God's favor meant not a life of bliss, but a life of risk. Hear that again. God's favor means a life of risk, not a life of bliss. Part of the invitation of Christmas is to offer ourselves wholly to God, just as Mary did, in the middle of the risk. The safest place for you is in the hands of God. And I hope I'm using the quotations correctly here. Safest doesn't mean without risk. In the fall of 2000, I was picking up Hungry Howie's Pizza with, with garlic butter cheese crust and taking it to a Bible study that I was leading with uh, 15 teenagers. And I borrowed my dad's uh, 1989 Chevrolet Beretta and I pulled out into the street and I hit uh, a minivan that had six children in it. It was terrible. Oh, oh, it was my dad's birthday as well. So I crashed my dad's car on his birthday. You know what I learned that day? Um, driving a car is risky. But should I never drive because it's a risk? Several years ago, we went on vacation and we went to Disneyland and uh, there's, there was this split second moment, a few seconds but felt like eternity, where we couldn't find Dex. Dex, Dex. And it was probably with under 10 seconds, but it felt forever and we found him we picked him up and, and we told him you got to stay closer to us all you parents out there know that that dread that feeling you know what i learned that week that vacation is risky should i never go on vacation because it's risky in 2004 i took a group of 25 high school students and college students to malawi africa and we went on a boat safari during our missions trip. Uh, and we had this break and went to safari on a boat and, and we're cruising up to this massive crocodile and a hippopotamus came from under the, the river and hit our boat, tipped it. One of the girls fell out of the water, held onto a pole, guy grabbed her, put her back in. Uh, and we got out of there because the hippo almost tipped us. It's like the crocodile and the hippo were friends and they were in cahoots there. Um, you know what I learned? Uh, that missions is dangerous. But should I never go on a missions trip because it's risky? Three years ago, uh, we planted Prodigal Church. And we didn't know if anybody was going to come. We didn't know if there was going to be enough money. Uh, we didn't know if this is what we were supposed to be doing. You know what I learned over these last three years? That planning a church is risky. But should I never plant a church because it's risky? When Sarah was pregnant with, with Dex, she started to begin to show. And it was exciting. You could finally see the baby in her belly. And I remember her putting on an outfit as we were getting ready to go to dinner one night. And she says, does this outfit make me look fat? And guys, I just want to let you guys know, don't hesitate. Now I was torn. I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to respond because 
she's pregnant and she's showing. So I wasn't sure if like she wanted me to say that, you know, that, yeah, I can see that you're showing. And so she asked me again, does this outfit make me look fat? And I said, kind of. And uh, that was the wrong answer, okay? There were a lot of tears um, that night. In fact, Sarah cried a little bit as well. Y you know what I learned that night? I learned that marriage is risky. But should we never get married because there's risk? See, living out the call that God has placed on our lives will always entail risk. But there's nothing better. Ask Mary. Imagine what Mary would have missed. Was it hard? You bet. The baby years, the teenage years, watching her son be crucified for the sins of the world, that's hard. But Jesus is always worth it. So whatever you're going through, if God's in it, God is with you in the middle of it. It may not be God causing all the difficulties. It may not be God causing the suffering in our lives. Um, in fact, I would say it's not God, but God is still with you in the midst of it. And if God's in it, it will all be okay. Ask Mary. So God, we thank you for the Christmas season. We thank you, God, for the message, the good news. We thank you for Mary and the example she is to us and that she said yes. And so, God, we pray that as we reflect on the Christmas story, on you showing up, God, I pray that you would show up in our lives, in the messiness of our lives. We may not have uh, Roman oppression, um, in our land right now, but we certainly have oppression. So help us in the middle of this, Jesus. We need you and love you. Help us to look to you this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.